Welcome into the Daily Illini Sports Podcast with Josh Peach and Carson Gordy back for the second straight week, and this time with a baseball podcast. Carson, I mean, White Sox, Cubs, trying to move in very different directions, one of them not succeeding as much. Um, hey, bad loss for the Sox last night. They got a Rangers uh, series right now, play again tonight with Dylan Cease on the mound. Hey, what are you thinking about your Sox? It's just incredibly frustrating because it's like they're always 500. They're always 500. I mean, they've been stuck at 500 forever. And you are running out of time to finally catch up to the mediocre Minnesota Twins and the very mediocre Cleveland Guardians. And it's weird because, you know, this was supposed to be a pretty good year. I mean, last year they won 93 games. And then this season, they kind of bring everybody back. But the problem was some of their replacements probably weren't stellar. A.J. Pollock has been a colossal disappointment. Josh Harrison has not played up to his career standards. And then you got guys like Yasmani Grandel, who've taken, you know, just a historic downgrade this season. He has two home runs this season. He is a singles hitter, and he is the slowest man in baseball. It's just incredibly frustrating. Like, did you expect this to happen in the White Sox this year? No, I absolutely didn't. I thought that, you know, I loved the upfront pitching. I, I, I feel like everyone kind of saw Cease, you know, coming up and having maybe not this monster of a year, but you knew he was going to be good. I thought Giolito was going to be great. I thought he was there for sure, number one. I expected Lynn to be healthy, obviously. He's been hurt with injuries and be fine. And I'm a big Michael Kopech guy. So I thought the pitching was going to be fine. And the Sox, in my opinion, have all the hitting in the world. They got a good mix of speed, power, and I thought the only thing that they were lacking hitting-wise coming into the year was, like, really good on-base percentage guys. But regardless, I mean, I thought the Sox were going to run away with the division. So for them to still be in third after countless times of thinking, hey, like, maybe this is it, maybe they're going on a run. And then, of course, they have, like, some terrible loss to some terrible team. So, no, I, I did not expect this to happen. You talk about a guy like Yasmani Grandal. I mean, what a disappointment he's did. He's been, like, he's a decent defensive catcher, but he doesn't throw well behind the plate. So you really got to rely on him offensively to get on base and hit for good average. And I was looking at stats before this, and the dude's hitting 190 this year. So when you're, you know, supposedly one of your best hitters is hitting below the Mendoza line, you're not surprised when you see your team is barely 500. And dude, his on-base percentage is higher than his slugging percentage. Yeah. That's disgusting. That's the one thing with the White Sox. I mean, they have a few 300 hitters. Robert's batting 300. Abreu's batting 300. Tim Anderson. But none of them have the power. What made Tim Anderson stand out the past three years was a 500 slugging percentage. He had pop as a shortstop. And this year, I mean, he's been mostly a singles hitter. Um, yeah, Yasmani Grandel is the worst thing about the White Sox so far. He's the highest paid. He's locked in next year. You can't trade him. You put him at DH, you know, it's it just not a good move. And then pitching, you're stuck with Giolito next year. Lance Lynn, $20 million next year, locked in. I love Kopech, but who are you getting? And then, you know, Cueto's a free agent. Is Cueto a guy you really re-sign? Like, if is, you think is about it, it, Cueto's been their number two guy this year. I think Cease might win the Cy Young. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But think Cueto really has been their second guy this year because Kopech's been good, but he doesn't have the longevity in games that Cueto does. Like, let's look at last night's loss to the Rangers. I thought Cueto pitched great. Eight innings of three-run ball. That's awesome. 
Yeah. Like, that's great. That that's everything you want when he's healthy, he's good. So if he's your second best pitcher this year and you can re-sign him on a deal that isn't, you know, outrageous, why wouldn't you? I guess it just like, I feel like Cueto isn't going to take you to the next level. I know he's had a good season. I know it's a 2.8 ERA, but besides this year, like the past five years, Cueto has kind of been an average pitcher. Is it really realistic that he's going to pitch this well next season? Like here's some free agents next year. Most likely Carlos Rodon, Noah Syndergaard, Italian from the New York Yankees. Like they got the money to cough it up because in 2024, here are the guys that they're dumping. Grandel's 18 million, Lynn's 18 million, Pollock's 10 million, and Giolito probably 20 million. Yeah. So I, I feel like it's a good time to get back Rodon. Rodon likes the White Sox. It, it was a good partnership for seven years. Like they had his back. And then, you know, Rick Hahn didn't want to pay the $18 million qualifying offer. Well, now Rodon has shown he is one of the top pitchers in baseball. He's a lefty with the, with the nastiest slider in baseball. I, do you think do you think the White Sox would even sign him though for 29 million? I don't think they'd cough up the money. No, I don't. And I and I will say this, and I was probably wrong about this, but when Han at first didn't pay Rodon and he went to the Giants, I respected Han for that move because he had one good year, and even in his good year, he got hurt and he couldn't he couldn't last, right? Like he didn't pitch well at all in the playoffs. And this year he has been good, but, and I know that the Giants aren't going to make the playoffs, but like, is he really going to be good for the rest of the year? I don't know. It would be really weird for him to go back to a team that just let him go. I don't think I could see him signing with the White Sox. And, you know, we can talk about the White Sox wanting to pay him, but like you mentioned a guy like Jamison Tyone of the Yankees, he's 30 years old. Like, I know that that's like still relatively young, especially for a pitcher, but like, there's no young guys on the market that the Sox could potentially get to have for a long time. Like what kind of deals Tyone going to look for? Is he going to look for a New York Mets type of deal, which is the new thing that's, you know, less years for more money, or is he going to look for a six or seven year contract? I don't even know which one the Sox would want to give him. So I, I think the Sox are in a really difficult situation with their pitching. With No, I was looking, I was looking at the free agencies. I mean, a lot of these guys are club options. Yeah. Like a Verlander, you know, you kind of want to get the one year rental. Oh, the White Sox, I mean, the, the window will eventually go away. They're not going to be able to pay Robert, Tim Anderson, Andrew Vaughn, like all these young guys, Dylan Cease, Kopech. Yep. They're kind of in a situation like the Padres. It's kind of like, hey, you got three seasons, four seasons to win a World Series. You know, I for the Yankees pitcher, kind of like a realistic offer, I think you pay him three years, and you probably have to overpay him a little bit. Yep. But, you know, he's got a low walk rate good whip he's not the best pitcher but it is an improvement over a lance lynn who throws two pitches well you have to be thinking that with a lineup like the white Soxes, right i mean guys i love i think abreu is still going to be good next year i love tim anderson andrew vaughn larice robert eloy jimenez those are all great guys so you've got to think they'll be able to score runs so even if tyone isn't like your 2.5 era cy young candidate number one you already have one of those in dylan cease number two if era is if his era is in the threes if, it's, if his average start is given up three runs over seven innings or even six innings that's fine if you have a lineup like the white Sox. they just it kind no, of it, with the hitting but you're right it's gonna there's gonna come a time where you need these pitchers and i don't know if they're gonna want to go to chicago i don't know the problem with the hitting is, you know, Tim Anderson's base is loaded and he tries to crank the ball and pull it. And then he, you know, he grounds out. 
you know, I was watching, listening to Steve Stone today, and he brought up a really good point. Like when Tim Anderson just goes up there like a leadoff man, isn't worried about driving in runs, he does best when he pushes it to center or center right. Like he needs to just think like a leadoff man every single time. That's your job. Get on base. And the White Sox, who's the leader? Like it seems like it's a little two-player run. For example, Andrew Vaughn is playing in right field. And he is the worst right fielder in baseball. Like yesterday, he made some serious errors that put them in a bad position, maybe contributed to the loss. But the only reason why he's playing right field is because Aloy refuses to play DH. Like for a guy that is not good, like Aloy Jimenez needs to be told, you were playing DH, Andrew Vaughn's playing in left field. Tim Anderson needs to be talked to because he keeps getting suspended, which is putting the team in a terrible situation. It is not okay to bump your helmet into the umpire. They no, make bad calls. They all make bad calls. We know this. You cannot, in an 0-1 count, just whack the umpire with your helmet. And I'm exaggerating. He didn't whack him, but he still touched him with it. When Tim Anderson's going to be gone for three games eventually, Larry Garcia or someone is going to be playing shortstop. And the White Sox, in a tight division race, that's going to affect them. Tony Larusa, like we could go on and on and on about how much that guy stinks, how he should be fired, but he's not. But, you know, someone in the locker room has to step up because yeah. it's just not well run. No, I agree with you. I think that the manager does a lot more than put a lineup together and choose when to pull the starting pitcher. Like, it's so much more than that. Do you think that uh, someone that I really respect that the league seems not to anymore, which is ridiculous to me, is Joe Girardi? Do you think that Joe Girardi – would just like hear Eloy Jimenez say, yeah, I'm playing left field. And he'd be like, oh, okay, Eloy, you, you do whatever you want. Like, no, he'd be like, you're going to DH or you're not going to play. He yeah. would tell Tim Anderson, you shut the F up when you think that that umpire makes a <laughs> bad call. So, cause we need you on this team. You're getting better as a fielder and you are our leadoff hitter. We don't have another one. You're hitting above 300 while we have some idiots like Yaz hitting below the Mendoza line. Like Joe Girardi wouldn't take that. Tony LaRusso, I don't know what's gotten into him. He's a Hall of Fame manager. And we could say a couple things about his in-game managing. I think his lineups have been flawed. And I think he's made some bad bullpen decisions this year. But beyond that, he just doesn't seem to be a leader in the clubhouse. I love the fact that Jose Abreu is a good leader. I don't think he speaks much English. So that doesn't help for some of the guys that can't see, speak Spanish. Uh, I think that Tim Anderson's a good leader too. But you have a manager for a reason. Like when to compare this to the North side for a little bit, when things started getting bad in 2019 or 20 for the Cubs, people said there was a disconnect in the locker room. Like Madden was getting too close with the players. And then when David Ross came in, he was coaching some guys that he won a World Series with. So you needed to get rid of the players and make sure that the, uh, the manager was in charge of everyone. I just don't see Tony LaRusso as this big leader that he used to be. And clearly, it's affecting the game because Tim Anderson's getting suspended. Eloy's in the field and there seems to be no chemistry in this clubhouse. Zero. Terrible base running, you name it. And then he takes naps in the middle of the sixth inning. Yeah. It's just, it's just, uh, it's a it's bad embarrassing. It's not a good look. I guess like the substance of it, like does him trying to take a nap in the sixth inning really change the team? Probably not, but it's just, it's another tally mark. It's just, yeah. it's getting ridiculous. So if I, if I had a bet, if I was a betting man, I'm saying the White Sox aren't going to win the division. And I hate to say it, 
But here's the one thing that people always clung to, why the White Sox were eventually going to win the division. They always had a weak remaining schedule. Yep. Because they start off the year playing a bunch of AL East teams, and now they have the 27th remaining easiest schedule. Here's the problem. The Indians have the 23rd. Yeah. The Twins have the 20th. So it, it's pretty much the same now. And now they're just going to have to catch up against the Twins in the Indians. And they've been losing to them. When they play straight up, I mean, it's usually 500 ball. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I see, I like I said, I'm, I'm a Cubs fan, but from the very beginning, I just, I've said there's too much talent on this roster, specifically in the lineup, for them not to win the division. If they all get healthy at the same time before September, and it's within reach, which it definitely is right now, I believe it's three games, the White Sox are back from first right now, uh, they, could, they could make a run for the division despite them not making any trades at the trade deadline, because people aren't talking about this, by the way, who did they have to trade? No one. So they don't do much at the deadline. I still think that they can go and win this division. Honestly, I would say that they will. I think that Eloy's getting hot at the right time. Abreu, after having a terrible start to the season, is up at 300. Timmy's struggling a little bit, but he's a 300 hitter. If Giolito can end the year strong, Lynn can end the year strong. You assume you get uh, good more, some more good starts out of Cueto, and I think Dylan Cease is going to win the Cy Young. There's no reason the White Sox can't still win the division. The Twins are no. mediocre. On paper, talent-wise, they should. But is Dylan Cease's stretch sustainable? I mean, yeah. since like 1901, no one has pitched as well. In the past 70 innings, he's given up four runs. Yeah. Like, that's ridiculous. Like, it's like a Jake Arrieta type of thing in 2015. It's, on, it's, it's technically, like, statistically more impressive. Yeah. Like, he's given up four solo home runs, but I don't know if he's going to continue that. Like, he might go a little bit back to normal, which is fine. He's great. But G. Leo, five ERA. Lance Lynn, struggling. Makata is just such a colossal failure for the White Sox. Like, yep. he has never been the same since COVID. He has no power. He's a fine third baseman, but he's not great. So, if the White Sox want to win this, Abreu's going to have to start hitting home runs. Grandel needs to step it up. That's probably the biggest X factor. Because when the White Sox made that huge leap last year, Grandel was the hottest player in baseball. He was hitting home runs. He was getting walks. His OBS was like the same as Otani. So for the White Sox, you got to get the power back. But I know it's easier said than done because so far, you know, the past two years, they haven't really been a home run hitting team. Yeah, no, they haven't. Um, and that's, you know, like if you're looking at a team, like it's very hard to win when you don't have a lot of power. It's happened before. My dad and I always talk about, I think it's the 83 Cardinals that just like didn't hit homers, but they just stole a bunch of bases and had a bunch of contact guys. But that's not what the White Sox are, you know, made up of. Like Eloy's a home run guy. Andrew Vaughn should be a bit of a home run guy. Like you said, yeah, should be a home run guy. And with Abreu, I mean, he is old. Like he came into the league at what, 28 years old. So I believe he's 35, 36 now. So he, he was going to fall off at some point, but no, you're right. I want to talk about Moncada for a little bit too. Like that guy in 2019, he was clearly the best player in the city. Like it wasn't particularly close either. It was Yohan Moncada and then a gap between number two, between whoever it was on the Cubs or the Sox. Maybe it was Jose Abreu. I don't know. I just don't know what's up with this guy. Like he cannot, you know, hit consistently. He'll go like, eight for 15 or something and then fall off again. Like he went on a quote unquote hot streak to get up to 204. Jeez, that's bad. His glove is okay, 
but you don't even see him running hard on the base paths. Like it, he's just acting like he doesn't care. Are you seeing the same things as me? Well, the, the one thing about Makata that we have to realize is that maybe 2019 was the outlier. Like he's been in the league for six seasons and he's never really batted above 230 besides 2019. I mean, when the White Sox traded Chris Sale, they got him and Michael Kopech. It was yeah. a big deal. And Makata, after 2019, you know, he struggled his first two seasons. But when he exploded in 2019, the whole front office went crazy. And that's why he got a huge extension. Makata pretty soon will be the highest paid player on the team. But even in 2019, he batted 290. He had 25 home runs. And then in 2020, the COVID year, he got struck down with COVID. And he's never been the same player. You know, he's had the lasting effects. He hasn't been able to, you know, put the barrel on the ball. And he's been a struggle. But you have to play him because you're not going to put in Garcia. Yeah. So he's going to get 500 at-bats a year. But I don't know. Sometimes he's too disciplined at the plate. That was a problem last year. He had one of the highest on-base percentages, but he took too many pitches. So for Mikata, I don't know how you fix it. I'm not a hitting coach. But he is having a negative impact on the team, I think. I did, like just the lack of hustle really bothers me too. Like I see him running down the line, and he's, you know, sort of just jogging it out. And like I love Jose Abreu, by the way. But last night when he hit the ball to right and then it dropped, right? So that's how the Sox got one of their runs. I'm not, I don't think it should have been an inside the park homer, but he could have been on third base and he's on first base. Now Jose doesn't do that very much, but that's what I'm seeing out of Moncada. Like, I remember I was watching the game the other day and there was like a dribbler that turned into an air and he still barely made it to first because he's jogging down the line. Like the least Moncada could do is play hard, but I don't even think he's doing that. Well, I I think it starts from the manager too. Like you remember Tony LaRusso said, hey, don't run to first base if you know you're going to be out. Like he sent out that memo to the clubhouse. I mean, that is just disastrous public relations. Yep. Like words matter. Like like maybe, yeah, it doesn't affect the substance. Like, hey, don't run out a for sure routine ground ball. But I mean, that has a psychological effect on the players. Most importantly, the fans. I mean, the fans are not happy with the direction of the franchise. They waited. This, oh, my God. If, White Sox fans, I mean, from 2012 to 2018, they were so bad at baseball. It was 100 lost seasons. Meanwhile, the Chicago Cubs win the World Series. I mean, that was a huge morale killer. And then you finally get all these good guys. You get Robert. Tim Anderson finally learns how to hit. Jose Abreu is better than Paul Canerco. And what are we going to show for it? An ALDS loss to the Houston Astros? And it just seems like such easy fixes for the Chicago White Sox. Like, yeah, maybe we should roll up our sleeves and admit that we were wrong. Radon, come home. We miss you. You know, and then, you know, you, you cut Grandel and get It seems like you got to get ready for 2024 because they got a bunch of bad contracts right now with Pollock, Grandel, Josh Harrison. They were trying to tape pieces together. And I think you finally have to just retool this roster. I, I, it's just so hard to say because like, let's say, you know, they do end the year strong. They win 88 games, they win the division and then you lose in the first round of the playoffs and like a good series or something. And then you're saying, Oh, like, we're just going to go back to it next year, but you're right. Oh. Maybe they do have to retool. I don't know. I, it all starts at, t- at the top. I know Reinsdorf won't fire Larusa this year. Maybe he'll do it in the off season, but you need a new manager. 
Don't know who they're going to get. Some people have been talking about potentially Joe Madden. I don't know how you'd feel about There's that. No There's I no chance. I wouldn't. Lo- I wouldn't love him on the White Sox. Um, no. The White yeah. Sox. If Rick Hahn's smart, he's going to go with his gut and get someone that is similar to AJ Hinch. Yeah. Young, analytics. They're not going to get another has been World Series winner. I mean, Tony Larusa is not fit to run this, and then Joe Madden. I do think his time has passed. I mean, the LA Angels tenure was not a good look for him. Yeah. And it's similar to Larusa, you know, it kind of ruins a pretty rock solid legacy. So for the White Sox, I, I think they would start to stretch. They they should have gotten Hinch in the first place, if you really think about it. I mean, oh, I, of course. I, I know that the Houston stuff wasn't good, but there wasn't a better candidate than him. TLR just made it that much worse. So Regardless, bad loss for the White Sox last night, in my opinion. Some dude's making his MLB debut, and you couldn't put up a run against him. That was pretty sad. And now tonight, you got Cease on the mound against a guy from Texas with a 5 ERA. Got to win games like tonight. I'm sure they will, but if they don't, it just makes you think, man, like, is this team ever going to pick up? And I don't know if they are. Well, if Cease pitches anything like the previous 70 innings, they are going to win. I mean, Cease deserves, let alone an all-star game, he should probably win the Cy Young this year. Yeah, for sure. I mean, ERA, the strikeouts, and in Vegas, you know, he's plus 850. I think that's great value. I mean, he only has the third highest odds, you know, to win the Cy Young right now. Isn't McClanahan and one more above him? I think Verlander's above him. Verlander's pitching great right now. That's No, I, I, know, I know he is. But if we want to kind of make it like the Cy Young's kind of like an MVP for pitcher, who's been more valuable than Dylan Cease? I mean, yeah. this team has been incredibly mediocre, and Dylan Cease comes out every five days and ends a losing streak. Yep. He really, like, sparks momentum into this team. Like, if Dylan Cease had a season like last year where he was good but inconsistent, I mean, the division race would be over. It'd be the Twins and the Guardians fighting it out. Yep. Like, Cease has kept the White Sox in a fantastic position to sneak in. Yeah. He definitely has. I think he that he might end up winning the Cy Young. And like I said, I agree with you. If it's an MVP for pitchers award, I would give it to him. It's hard to go against Verlander right now, but we've been talking about Sox for, for a good minute now. So I think we should go over to the north side. There's obviously not as much to talk about, but the Cubs, unlike the White Sox, made a, well, a couple more deals at the deadline. They ended up keeping Contreras and Hap. Jed Hoyer has said repeatedly they didn't get near the value that they wanted for them. And then they trade David Robertson for a pitching prospect. They trade Michael Givens for a pitching prospect. They trade Scott Efros, good reliever for a good pitching pot prospect from the Yankees. The Cubs drafted a bunch of pitchers too. So clearly they're focused on pitching right now. They're kind of just riding out the rest of the year. Good win today against the Marlins. Wilson Contreras go ahead, two-run homer in the eighth. You win the game two to one. It's fun for the fans, but really not a ton going on on the north side right now. Yeah, I you know, Robertson was having a sneaky, really, really great season. 37 years old. 37 years old, I, I do feel like they could have got a little bit more from the Phillies. Well, so he's 37. Obviously, it's just for the rest of the year. And they were looking for the Phillies, in their opinion, best pitching prospect because this guy entered the year as the 24th best Phillies prospect. But at the midseason update, he was up to number seven and he was either their number one or number two. So I think Jed Hoyer basically said, all right, listen, we got this guy on a one-year deal. We barely paid him anything. He's a rental for the Phillies. If we can just get this pitching prospect that we've had our eye on for months, we'll do it. And I, and I think that's fine. Yeah. Okay. So you guys kept Wilson, Wilson Contreras, fan favorite people, you know, you guys probably thought he was going to go. He got a huge standing ovation 
during his supposedly last home game, and now he's back. So now you got to probably cough up the money to keep him. Are you confident that the Cubs are for sure going to re-sign him? Absolutely not. I have zero confidence that they're going to re-sign him. I'd How put, like, mad would you be? I'd be very, very, very mad because, I mean, let's face it. Wilson was by far the best, you know, offensive catcher on the block, and he's pretty darn good defensively too. What a lot of people don't know about Wilson is that he can throw people out behind the plate and he's good defensively, but he hasn't always called the best game. Like Kyle Hendricks is the Cub, was the Cubs' best pitcher coming into the year, and he really liked throwing to Jan Gomes. For John Lester, it was always David Ross' personal catcher. For you, Darvish, he was much more comfortable with Victor Caratini as his personal catcher, not Wilson Contreras. So I guess some teams were worried about, you know, maybe the Mets were worried about this, the pitcher adjusting to throwing to Wilson. However, I mean, he's hitting 265 or 270. He gives you power. He loves the game more than anyone. He's a good defensive catcher. So, but if they just weren't, you know, coughing up the right price, then I guess it's a good thing the Cubs didn't trade him. But here's the thing. If you don't end up re-signing him, then you traded him for nothing. You get some sort of compensation pick that, in my opinion, is nowhere near worth, you know, good prospects. So I'd be very disappointed. He's my favorite player. My two favorite Cubs as of late were John Lester and now Wilson Contreras. I personally would be mad, but he just gives this team such a good energy. He's 30 years old. I know that catchers wear down faster, but I think he can be really good for four or five more years, and that's in your window to win. I think that starts a few years from now. I would re-sign him. If they don't, I'll be very disappointed. That's one thing. I mean, there seems to be a shortage of good hitting catchers in baseball. And I'm looking at the free agent market for next year. Wilson Contreras is the gold standard of catchers. Like he's going to have some suitors because you don't have to cough up the draft picks to get them. It just straight up who gives him the best contract. His competition next year, Gary Sanchez, Martin Molinado from the Astros. Yeah, That guy cannot hit. He bats like 180. Like Wilson Contreras you're getting a guy who flirts with a 400 on base percentage. So how many years is he going to get? Just give him a four year, 65, 80 million. Like how many, how much is this guy expecting a season? You'd probably have to go four years, about 90 million, I think. But who else have the Cubs signed? No one. That's the one exact. They have the money. Yeah. Like one, and especially once you get rid of this Hayward deal, I mean, you're paying wisdom and Swindell like nothing. Yep. And those are two huge positions. Like, ask the Cardinals how much they're paying for, you know, first and third base slash DH. Yeah. Like, oh. you're paying $1.4 million total when they're paying, like, you know, $60 million. They got the cash. They just got to spend it. But I, I do think you have to know when's the right time to buy. Like, is, does Jed Hoyer know when to officially end the rebuild and start winning the Central? See, I think that next year is still going to be rebuilding. But in 2024, I don't see any reason that the Cubs can't make a push for the division because Arenado and Goldschmidt will be two years older. The Brewers seem to be selling now. And, and you look, I mean, I was pleasantly surprised with you this year with the young talent that we've seen out of the Cubs. Uh, Nico Horner has been awesome. He's hitting 300, and he's a young guy. Nick Madrigal, ever since his first injury, has been good. He went two for three today. I really, really like Nick Madrigal. Christopher Morel, who no one even knew existed coming into the year, he's having one of the best seasons out of all the rookies in the league, and he has, I think, the highest OPS among rookies. That's awesome. Look at the pitching rotation. Keegan Thompson and Justin Steele have come out of nowhere and been two of the more productive pitchers in the entire league. 
So I'm really happy with the young stuff. And then if you you're looking at the off season between 23 and 24, I believe a guy named Xander Bogarts is going to be on the market. And I'd love the Cubs to get a guy like him, maybe one more arm, maybe one more fielder. And I think you can be good for the future. Assuming you re-sign half. So I hope Hoyer knows, you know, when to buy. I think that he learned under probably the greatest president of baseball operations in MLB history, but it's a lot different when you're the one making the final decision. So do I trust him? I hope so. Theo Epstein's he's the GOAT, Theo Epstein. He legitimately is. He turned the two curses teams with the longest curses, with the longest World Series droughts into World Series champions. He's the best to ever do it in the MLB. I know. It's insane. All right. Well, like I said, not a ton going on the north side except for talking about the future. But before we wrap up, you know, just looking at the rest of the league, not a ton has changed since we last talked. The Yankees are still dominating, Astros are still dominating. Looking out west, the Dodgers are great. Mets are still holding that lead over the Braves in the NL East. But, hey, how about that Juan Soto trade to the Padres? It's huge. I mean, it's it's great to see a small market team go all in. Yeah. I mean, the amount of blue chip talent that they have, Tatis, Machado, even, you know, if Snell, you know, comes back, they just coughed up the money for Musgrove, got Hater. Now you have Soto, the you next Darvish 10 million. Yeah. You Darvish is great. And, you know, it's it just good to see someone try to rival the Dodgers. You know, they're not saying, you know, at L.A., you're too good. You got Mookie Betts. Like, no, they are going all in. And one of their biggest problems was the bullpen. It was mediocre. Now you bring in a Josh Hader. Who would have thought that that guy was going to get traded from the Brewers? He's that the best was in the league. I was shocked as well. They traded all their prospects. Like, this used to be a great farm system. Now they're milked. But they know that, hey, we got three years with Juan Soto, Manny Machado, and they're going to try to bring a World Series to one of the least successful franchises in baseball. I think it's fantastic. I believe the Padres have never won it. Is that correct? They've never won it, and they've never thrown a no-hitter. They are the only franchise in MLB history not to throw a no-hitter. Fun, fun, useless fact of the day. I was going to say the latter of the two. That's a, that's a fun fact that I wasn't expecting to hear. Yeah. No, no hitters, huh? No, no hitters. I better get them in the mess. Well, I mean, let I, I was talking to my father, who's also a huge baseball fan, you know, a couple nights ago. And I said, even if they don't win it this year, I think that's okay. You know, like get right. everyone healthy. But Tatis, but but then I thought about it a little more. Tatis is gonna be back soon. So if you've got a full, and by the way, Brandon Drury from the Reds, underrated trade. That guy is a freaking stud. So you've got this almost all-star filled lineup. Your rotation includes Musgrove, Darvish, and Snell. That's an amazing one, two, three. And I know you need four for the, um, for the playoffs, but they've got it. And then their bullpen just got great too. I don't see any reason they can't beat a Mets or a Dodgers in a seven or five game series. The one thing I will say, is that the Dodgers starting pitching is ridiculous. Yeah, it's well, Clayton Kershaw's the fourth starter. Okay, they, you have they, Bueller, Arias, and then the Kershaw, who's the fourth? Uh, I forget his name, but he's young and he's like a Cy, or, and he's a Cy Young candidate. Yeah, dude, they, it, it's getting ridiculous. So I remember the White Sox in 2020, they had a good hitting team, they had a good bullpen. But the one thing that they lacked was great starting pitching. So after game one, when Giolito won game one, you know, Keuchel had a bad game too. They were like, crap, who's going to pitch game three? 
and they burned out the bullpen. Like I the Dodgers brought a, bull, a bullpen guy in after two outs. No, uh, Dan Dunning. Yep. And then they traded him for Lance Lynn. Great. So, yeah, it just the Dodgers they have the luxury of having these starting pitchers go seven innings, go six innings, and they don't have to burn it. I mean, their four top pitchers have an ERA below two point eight. That's insane. That's the one thing that has me giving them the edge over the Padres. I just trust the pitching more. I mean, the Dodgers team ERA is below three. Like in today's game, I mean, that's nuts. Like that's like 1960s kind of stuff. Yeah, no, for sure. And like, you're looking at the Dodgers rotation for the playoffs. Bueller, I'm sure will be fine. Arias was amazing in the playoffs when the Dodgers won the World Series in 2020. Yeah, Kershaw doesn't have a great history, but like better. It's better, exactly. But you know, like I'm I'm with you. I do give the Dodgers the edge, but like between the lineup and like Darvish has been good in the playoffs after his uh small tenure in LA. Snell's actually heating up right now, and Musgrove's been great the whole year. I would not count him out at all, but oh. Before the season, yeah. I said Padres are going to win the World Series. Yeah. I, and, I, and I didn't know they were going to get Juan Soto. I got lucky there. But the one thing is Tatis is still not back yet. Like, yes, he will come back. But from what I've read, every time he tries to swing the bat, his wrist does not feel good. You know, there's always problems that occur. So when Tatis comes back into the lineup, are you getting the guy that's batting 290 with 37 home runs? You know, I just don't think it's realistic. I think he's going to struggle out of the gate. And people forget those Atlanta Braves still know how to hit the ball. Yeah. I mean, the Braves are, I would take the Braves over the Mets. See, dude, I just don't know about that. The uh, Braves have five in New York that started last night on Thursday. And that was their one favorable pitching matchup for the whole series. And they lost like the Mets just might be too good, man. They're like, they're so good. Will they beat the Dodgers? No, but I think they'll beat the Braves. Now the Braves obviously like to heat up in October, like nothing I've ever seen before, but we have a really, the the point of what we're saying here is that we're going to have a really fun NLDS and you you got four teams. And then like, will there be an upset? Probably, but you have a chance to have four of the best six teams in baseball all going up against each other going on the other side. I think it's a two-man race, Astros and Yankees, and I don't think you can give a team besides the Yankees the edge over there. Astros. Nah, man. Dude, the Astros are heating up. I think only one game separates them now. The Yankees have the 12th hardest schedule. The Astros have the 26th hardest. And the one thing I will add about the Yankees, I love the Yankees. I love their uniforms. I think Matt Carpenter is just, it's hilarious what he's doing. Yeah. I mean, he's having like Barry Bonds level stats. Yep. But, you know, I was looking at some stats today. Yankees are number one in home runs. Yes. Astros are number two. But then Yankees are like 12th in doubles. It's like home run or nothing. Well, they hit actually in that park, right? Where it's everything goes out in right field. And that's the one thing, like they lose home field advantage because I do think the Astros are going to overtake them. The starting pitching is better. I, I think the lineup is, you know, it's not go, you know, go big or go home. Like you got guys like Altuve that can just poke it out in the outfield. So if the Astros get four games in Minute Maid Park against the Yankees, you got Verlander on the mound. 
I don't know. You know, the Astros have played pretty well against the Yankees this regular season. And can Aaron Judge keep up this historic pace? He's on pace for 67 home runs. That, in my mind, that would make him the home run king. 100% he's the king. He hit 62. I'm celebrating. I'm not giving Barry Bonds, Sammy Sosa, and Mark McGuire any credit. Cheaters don't count. (laughs) No, they don't count. Like, I'm rooting for Aaron Judge. Like, he will be the AL MVP. For sure. He's about to make $1 trillion this offseason because he's played so well. But um, overall, as a team, I think Dusty Baker finally breaks his curse. Oh, man. I have the latex gloves and the goofy personality. Like, I mean, they have an awesome pitching rotation. They th- So Aaron Judge is the best player in the league, in my opinion. But according, right now, yeah. to, the, according to the advanced metrics, Jordan Alvarez is one of the best hitters in MLB history. Um, his like that new staff they have WRC plus is like insane. According to the advanced metrics, he's having one of the best years in MLB history. My point is that each team has that one stud that just totally leads them. I mean, Altuve is unlikable as he is. Like the dude is still really, really good. Bregman hasn't had a great year, so they're doing this in spite of that. Like it's gonna be a great ALCS, but I'm still gonna give the Yankees the edge. I don't love, you know, Garrett Cole. I don't think he's very good, but I like nasty Nestor Cortez. Uh, who the, yeah, I know they just got rid of Montgomery, but they have Tyone, who I really like. It's hard, it's hard not to take the Yankees is my point, man. They're, they're pretty good. They are good, but, you know, they're 15-15, they're past 30, and the Astros are hot. It's gonna, you are right. Like, the overall big picture is we're going to be treated to some great baseball. Yeah. Because this way you're going to get an NLDS. You're going to get Padres against Dodgers. You're going to get, what, the Mets against the Brewers, probably, or something like that. I mean, every series is good. Yeah. And the Phillies. I am so excited for the Philadelphia Phillies. Hey, the Cubs are stuck them. (laughs) They're still in the wild card position, though. I know. I mean, look what happens when you fire a manager. You know, what it can do to the clubhouse. Hey, White Sox, maybe take a peek. Because the right. Phillies are great, and the Blue Jays have been phenomenal, too. Obviously, this is just audio, but I'm rolling my eyes. Girardi didn't do anything wrong. Come on. Like, he didn't no, it's the, it's the point of sparking something's got to change. Yeah. It's kind of a reality check. It's accountability. It's kind of showing, you know, what we're doing right now, 21, 29. We're, like, we paid a lot of money for you guys. This is, this is mediocre. It, it's kind of it's, – it's about accountability. Like, I, I think it does spark a team. With baseball managers, yeah, it's it's hard to win a game, but you can lose them. You look at the White Sox. Maybe not in Girardi's case, but definitely the Phillies would not be where they are right now if they had Girardi. I you're don't absolutely think so. right. Yeah, no, you're right. Yeah. Um, last thing before we go, uh, World Series prediction. Maybe not a winner, but at least two teams. Who, who are you thinking? Two teams. I, I got to go Astros-Dodgers, which I hate. I don't like any of those teams. I think the Padres are a year away. I love the Padres. I'm rooting for them. I like the Yankees a lot. It just, I think the Astros are that good. I think Verlander's going to step it up. I think they got the playoff experience. I do think they will have home field. And I think that's going to have the Astros overtake the Yankees. It's going to be great, though. Game seven, probably. I don't know which one would draw more viewers, Yankees or Mets and Yankees Dodgers, but I'm going to go with what I think is the ultimate showtime, the two biggest markets. I think Yankees Dodgers. 
and I, I don't know who's going to win. I'd probably lean towards the Dodgers, but I think we're, like I said, we're going to get the ultimate showtime. I'd root for the Yankees. I don't know who I would. Oh, you can't root for the Dodgers. Come on. I don't know, man. I love Trey Turner. I want the most company. underrated player in baseball. I'm serious. Easily. He's hitting like 320 every single year. He yeah. has some power. He's the fastest guy. I mean, Both this bases. dude is seriously like a top five player every single year, and no one talks about him. No, I, I told Bussy that, and he was just like, sure. I'm like, no, dude, he is. I mean, he's he better than Mookie Betts. And I like Mookie Betts. Mookie Betts, I like Mookie Betts, but he doesn't have the average like a Turner. Turner has like 30 game hit streaks, yeah, seems like every single year. That's who I want the Cubs to go get. If for some reason the Dodgers don't resign him next year, like I want the Cubs to go get him bad. Dude, I saw that he was available and I was talking about the White Sox. <laughs> no, I want, dude, I would get his jersey. Like I would buy every single piece of Trey Turner merch there is. I love Trey Turner. My uh, favorite player that's a non-Cub used to be Tim Anderson, and now it's Trey freaking Turner. I love him. He's always been up there, but, I mean, I mean, he's great. He's, uh, he's only 29, too, so he's probably got like seven years left in him. You know, the Dodgers did let Seager walk. Yeah. You know, so, I don't know. We'll see. I would give – yeah, like, could Trey Turner be an eight-year, $250 million man? Yes. Let's do 100%. it. I would pay whatever he wants. Yeah, exactly. I would pay him. All right. Hey, I'm excited. This is going to be a fun couple months, you know, just not only in baseball, but just sports in general. You got college football starting up, college baseball, and we're going to have some fun MLB races throughout it all. Hopefully the Sox are there, but man. We'll see, dude. And Illinois basketball, I'm pretty excited about it. Brad Underwood's uh, raving about the defense. As he should be. That's the number one thing, in my opinion. But it all comes down to Barry Lunny. He's the key to the future. College football, Barry Lunny. All right, well, that'll do it for today, Carson. Thank you so much again for being here. Always a pleasure. Um, thank you, everyone, for listening. This has been another episode of the Daily Illini Sports Podcast.